So this decision, I want to talk about like process. How does God walk you through seasons? And is it, I got like maybe a couple of scriptures. Uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, uh, 1 to 4, and maybe James 1. And, you know, this might, again, this might be nothing new for you, but I pray God give you ears to hear. Amen. I used to see and I pray that as I just break this out, that it would bring a freshness upon it, yes. that you can uh, apply, because I don't want to fill you with information. I want you to receive and catch something that you can go, oh, I can do that. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And maybe you, you're walking through something now and you can't see the direction you can't see, but you're just sort of walking it out. I hope this gives you... Inside, yeah? So we're going to uh, read uh, Romans 5, 1 to 5. It says, therefore. Now when there's a therefore, it's because you've read something therefore. <laughs> Amen? When you, see, when you read the word therefore, he's going he's gonna to tell you something that's relative to what you just read. Amen? Uh, yeah, that's right. He wants you to know why it's there for. Like, like, like take Romans 12, 1 and, uh, verse 1. It says, Now I beseech you therefore. That's old King James. He goes, I beseech you therefore in view of God's mercy. Now you can, you can skim over that. But what he's saying is, Something happened in the previous chapter that gave you insight and capacity to see the mercy of God. And because of that, now he's going to ask you to do something. He said, be transformed or don't be conformed to this world. Why? Because of what you just read. The glimpse of God's mercy you just saw in the previous chapter. So when you see therefores, don't, don't brush over it. If you go, oh, therefore, oh, I must have missed something. I better go back and have a look what it was for. Amen. 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 All right, all right, all right. I hope you love the word because I'm going to just dive into it. Yep. It says, Therefore, why we in Levin, having been justified by faith, what does justified mean? You scholars, what does it mean? Men? Reverend? It means to be acquitted. It's just as if you hadn't sinned. That's amazing grace right there. Therefore, having been justified, acquitted of all your sin before God because of Jesus' death, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's good news. Amen. You know what that means? That means that you have peace with God. Yeah. That God's not looking at you with a stick going, you're a silly bugger. He's not got the stick and he's going to give you the belt because you made a mistake or you didn't turn up one Sunday. Maybe you slipped up in your, your action or whatever. You have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That peace keeps your heart and mind right with God. So I don't go looking for the peace of God. I, I look for the absence of peace. Because if there's a part of my life that there is no peace, it's because I haven't given it to God yet. Because the Bible tells me in Isaiah, I think it's 26, 12-ish, it says, God keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on Him because they trust in Him. And when you have peace with God, it's because you trust God with the area of your life. And when you don't have peace with God, it's because you don't trust God in the area of your life. That's free. Watch this. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Some versions say into this introduction. We have access, which is this introduction to our faith. How many you know when you gave your life to Christ, it was the introductory level into this incredible journey called faith? It was an introductory level of an incredible life. Amen, Mel. That's okay. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand 
and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Who's the glory of God? That's all right. Jesus Christ. Amen? Our hope, your hope, is that Jesus is coming back soon. Amen? If you didn't know that today, boom, you know it right there. Amen? Jesus is coming back. And there's something about when you recognize that Jesus is coming back, it shapes the way you live your life. Because you don't know when He's coming. The Bible says that like a thief in the night. I don't know about you, but have you had your house broken into? I'll tell you what happened one night. I was sitting in bed and I'm getting ready just to relax. I've got the TV there, I've got my Xbox there. Got my video games there, and I'm like, man, I got a night off. I'm just gonna relax. The wife's cooking dinner, and I sit down on the bed, and I went, hmm, something wrong with this picture. My Xbox is not there. Hey, Bernie. Yeah. Have you moved my Xbox? Nah, it should be by the TV. There's no Xbox by the TV. I picture those blooming kids. So I go in and I look at my drawers, my wallet there with all my money still sitting there. No Xbox though. Take my money, I don't keep it on my Xbox. And I had all these games that you can't get no more because they were obsolete. And like series and anyway, I was very upset. So I walk down in the sitting room and I open up where all my games are, which are secret stash and a little stash. I open up and they're all there. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And then I pick one out, just a random one empty someone came into my house stole my Xbox and knew where my games were and went in and around and took my games I was not a happy man because I had a busy day that day but if I had known that that thief was going to come into my house that day I tell you I'll be waiting it would have changed the way I did my day because I would have known the hour the thief was coming. And sometimes when, when God's coming back, you don't know. And you need to make sure that your life is governed in such a way that when he's ready to come back, you're ready to go with him. Amen. All right, that was for free too. And we not only this, we don't only rejoice that Jesus is coming back. Here we go, watch this. But we also glory in tribulation. Tribulation. I'm supposed to glory in tribulation? Knowing. Watch that word. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we what? Because we what? Because we what? Because we what? When you're going through your season, it's important that you know why you're going through the season. Now, you might not understand, like maybe you're having a big fight with your wife and you think that the fight with your wife is a season that's hard for you. <laughs> so you keep arguing with your wife, but do you realize that you're not actually arguing with your wife? You're arguing about a situation. You're not arguing with your wife. You, you think you're arguing with your wife, but you're arguing about the situation that's between you and your wife. And you miss the opportunity to resolve an issue straight away <laughs> because you're looking at her as the issue or the circumstance is the issue. And he says this, and, and, and I want you to glory in tribulation knowing, knowing, I'll read it from this version, know that the suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character hope. Next one. And hope does not put us to shame, praise God. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now we look at that verse and we just go, oh, that's a great theological verse, Mel. Man, how does that really apply to me? But I want to I put this to you after we read James chapter 1. Is that okay? Because the Word is a light to your feet. Amen. It's a lamp into your path. And if you can't see one step in front of you, it's probably because your eyes are not on the Word of God. 
And if you can't see down the track and what God has for your future and your home and your family and your, your finances and your work issue, it's because you're not in the Word of God. Because it's a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. And in that light, we see light. But when we're not seeing light, it's because the darkness has gotten us. And we become callous in our heart towards the things of God. We don't value it enough to, to, to spend time with them. Yeah? Go to verse 2. Oh, James 1, verse 2. He goes, My brothers, count it all joy when you go into various trials. Have you been through some trials lately? You know, you're supposed to be happy. I read that one day and I was going, How the heck can I be joyful? How does God expect me to be joyful when I haven't had a nookie-nookie with my woman for a long time? Why? When things are so hard for so long and I read the Word because the Word is it's my food and I'm looking at it and go, count it all joy, joy, when you fall into various trials, knowing, ooh, knowing, say knowing, Knowing. There is a knowing that you need to know that if you don't know, you won't go. If you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, you will choose not to rejoice. You will choose to feel sorry for yourself. You will choose to step back and you will choose to have resentment and then you'll choose to blame you made me like this. I'm angry because of you. In fact, you annoy me so much, I'm flipping angry. In fact, I'm going to smash this wall because you made me angry. The minute we blame, we abdicate our right for change. When you blame your circumstance for how you feel, you're saying that's bigger than your Jesus. Because you're a new man. All right, let's keep reading. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, underline knowing in your Bible, man, that the testing of your faith is producing something. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all men without reproach and he will be given it to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven, tossed by the winds. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So this whole conference is about transformation. But I'll propose to you, it's not about transformation of your community until it's transformation of your heart. And how many of you know that God wants you to become the God man? He wants you to not become the old man, but the new man that is created in the image of God. But some of us are unfortunate that we haven't been born into a Christian home. Or maybe you're fortunate that you've been born into a Christian home. And a lot of the world and a lot of uh, family upbringing has, has fashioned our way we think, the way we believe, uh, what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves. And then when we come into Christ, we think uh, that this is who we are. I'm a Christian, but I still got bad habits. I'm a Christian, but I still struggle in these areas. And the Bible tells us that you've been justified. You've been acquitted of your sin. You've been, you, you, the penalty and the power of your sin no longer has dominion over your life. Then why do I sin all the time? Because you're concentrating on the old man. You're relying on your own understanding and you don't recognize that God's word over your life is more true than how you feel. So what God does is he puts you in a process. And, and sometimes we make some really dumb decisions. And then we go, God, God, I said, you know, God put me in this. No, no probably you, you walked in it because you made a dumb decision, didn't listen. But the trial, he says, it says, knowing that this trial is producing 
something in you. You want to become more like Christ, walk with understanding through the process. The disciples who were in the boat failed to recognize the process of the loaves and the fishes because their hearts had become dull. It was the becoming. And God wants to take us as men from the sense of, yay, I'm saved, I can turn up the church and raise my hands, to actually being the church and go into the community and lend a hand. Some of us are fighting to get out of our situation. Maybe it's a job opportunity. Maybe you don't like what's going on in your home or your, your suburb or your community. And God has actually put you in there to be the salt and the light. To be the hands and the feet. But you don't like the situation you're in. And you've got to understand with understanding that God's going to process you. And he's going to become, he wants to, what does he want to do? Uh, count it all joy, knowing that trialing of your faith is producing what? Perseverance. What's perseverance? It's the capacity to endure for a long period of time. That when the world falls around you, you're standing. And they're going, how come you can stand, man? Because my anchor's in him. I'm not tossed to and fro by my present circumstances. I'm not dictated to by what I see, but what I see. Patience is really a horrible thing to be developed because it costs you. It costs you, it costs you the obedience to what you know about God to trust that he's working something out. And what happens sometimes is in our journey, we become shipwrecked in our faith. The Titanic was sent from Ireland to New York. And it was full of gems, resources, people, and it had a destination. But along the journey, what happened is it hit an iceberg. And now research just came out the other week and they, they actually said that there was actual a fire in the Titanic when it left that the outside of the thing was actually still on fire. There was a burning, the coals just caught fire and they had, couldn't put it out before they sailed. And it was where the iceberg hit because it became vulnerable and it sunk. And for hundreds of years, it stayed in the river until what happened? Lutus came, found it, stole the goods out of it. So the vessel, which was sent for a purpose, never reached its destination. So it never benefited the, the, the New York. But along the process, because they got shipwrecked and it stopped walking it out, per se, that all the goods that were inside it were taken. And when you and I stop walking our faith out and we stop moving, we become shipwrecked in our faith. And we stop and we stop and we stop and we like, and then all of a sudden now we're introspective. Well, I deserve better than this. I deserve blah, blah, blah. And what happens is the joy of the Lord that's in your life gets stolen from you. The goods and the nuggets and the insight and the revelation in which God has been teaching you along your journey gets stolen from you and you become callous in your heart and you forget that you were actually sent for a people. Paul said to Timothy, now concerning the prophecy made concerning you, fight a good fight of faith, which some have forgotten and become shipwrecked in their faith. What happened? They forgot the word God spoke in the journey. Because when they heard the word, they were like, yeah, wow, praise God, yes. But didn't realize that who you are is not what you're meant to be. That there's a process between the prison and the palace. Before Joseph became the prince of Egypt, he was a slave who had a dream. 
And because he had a dream, he thought, hey, bro, I'll tell you, bro. Oh, oh, all you followers are going to bow down to me. I heard a minister say that one day. I am Joseph, bow down to me. And we just went, <laughs> and we walked off. <laughs> but he had a dream, but he didn't realize that the dream was for an appointed time. And in his dream, the brothers in it bowed down. The sun and the moon bowed down. And in his ignorance, he went and told everybody, and they already hated him, and then they hated him even more. And, you know, when you tell people grand things, they're like, oh, please, cut it out. You don't deserve that, man. I mean, I deserve that. Yeah? Watch who you, watch who you share your visions to. Watch, watch who you share. You know who you should be sharing them to, men? You should be sharing them to your wife, if you're married, and to your pastor. Cast not your pearl before the swine. Why? Because they'll trample it underfoot, man. And what God intended for you will come a byword. And you get shipwrecked and you'll be like. Because the thing about transition from one place to another is that God wants you to understand something that he is producing in you. The ability to endure so that when you get to the destination that you're meant to be in, you can stay there. That you can handle the pressure that that responsibility releases if you don't allow yourself to go through the process of transformation yeah. I kid you not you'll probably get shipwrecked in your faith you'll go well pastor I'm there for you man I mean, you need anything I'm your man yeah. I'm there for you man and then when the rubber hits the road where are you where are you it's all talk because you have it, the person hasn't gone through the transformation of allowing these words to shape up with their lifestyle. And God's calling us as men to be men of integrity, men of the word. Back in, not my day, because I'm not that old. But a handshake meant everything. I got you. Now we greet brothers, hey, brother, yeah, man, gangster, yeah, give me a hug. But when the rubber hits the road, where are you? Pastor needs help down the church. Where are you? Because if you're not told to, what you default to is the revelation you live to. If no one tells you to turn up somewhere and you know to turn up but you don't turn up, that's truly the revelation of your heart. So you might think you're here but really your heart reveals you're here. And there needs to be more growth. He says, knowing that the trialing of your faith is producing in you patience. And he says, but let patience have its perfect work. We want to rush patience. I hate patience. It's too hard. Come on, God, get out of here, man. But he says, let it have its perfect work. Why? Hebrew says, you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you'll receive that which is promised. Some of us, we're patient. And we're waiting, and God's saying, don't wait. Do what you're called to do. Be patient that after you've done the will of God, you will inherit what's promised. And some of us, we're like, give it to me, God, I'm waiting. And he's going, sweep that toilet. <laughs> no, just I'm waiting for, for the promise. Yeah, but sweep the sweep. This, I heard a story once I can't remember who said it but this pastor gets up and he goes okay now there's about 10,000 people in this church this big church and he goes now someone this morning woke up and said God I need $500 I'm going to lose my house well, I, sorry no no I need $500 now not everyone but who was that and this lady puts her hand up that was me the pastor goes I got $50. Your 500 is in the $50. You know when God tells you something but it doesn't explain it? It's like, well, but what does it mean? The, the 500 is in 50. It doesn't equate to, you know, how many 50s do I need? I only got one. So she's in a, in a line. She goes and buys some groceries, but the lady in front of her can't afford the groceries. And she goes, I got $50. 
oh, excuse me, I'll pay for your food here. Boom. And then she paid for it and it was really good and she bought her groceries. And then she goes home and she pulls up to her house. A car pulls up just behind her and says, the Lord told me I need to give you $500. See, sometimes what's been afforded to you in your hand is only the seed for the breakthrough you need to sow. But sometimes you're holding on to your seed and you're not sowing it. God, I need a breakthrough. Then what's in your hand? Well, I can't do nothing. Well, can you sweep? Yes. Well, there you go. Lay your life down. Can I turn up? Yes. Okay, then walk to church and turn up. Can I love my wife? Yeah, I can can do that. It's hard, but I can do it. Make a decision to do it. Because when you sow, you'll reap. If you don't like what you're reaping right now, husband, start sowing a different seed. That was for free. Because the grass is only greener on the other side. The men only have a wondering eye. You know that song? You got the wondering eye. Have you heard that song? Showing my age now. But the reason we only got a wondering eye is because we're not paying attention to the grass we're living in. And if you've got a wondering eye and it's more attractive, it's because you stopped sowing into this ground in which God's given to you. And you're to blame, not your wife. All right, just finish on that one. (laughs) But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or mature and complete. See, God is all about process. He's not about destination. You're about destination, but he's about process. And if you can learn in this journey, man, to stand up and endure the process, you'll get to your destination a lot faster. Because sometimes we want to get to a destination and we want to cut corners. You know, Jesus was offered a shortcut. Do you know that? Jesus was offered a shortcut three times. Three times. When? At the beginning, if you are the son of God, just fall down and worship me, I'll give it to you. What? Or the kingdoms of the world. Well, he was already going to do it, but he had a God's way or the devil's way. Could have taken a shortcut. Oh, yes. What does he do? It is written. What did he say? It is. You, you, you can't beat the spiritual darkness that's attacking you if you don't know what's. What about in the middle of his ministry? So G's been going on a long time now, man, and he's getting to this climax where he's about to die. And the man who gets the most incredible revelation of his life, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Wow. Wow, Peter, you are blessed. Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. You see Peter's head going, the man. Yeah, I got keys to the kingdom, man. And then Jesus goes, but hey, listen, don't tell anyone, but I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to have to die. I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And Jesus, Peter goes, hey, hey, come here. Come here. Come here, Jesus. Fire that should happen to you, man. And what does Jesus do? Did he go, eh, get behind me, man. No, he didn't. He didn't address Peter at all. Because he heard the same luring words that wanted him to take a shortcut. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for what you speak is of man and not from God. Thank you. And the devil offered him another shortcut. But what was the first thing that the devil said? If you are the son of God. So now, at the beginning of his ministry, in the middle of his ministry, and then when he's just about to fulfill the destiny, he's nailed to the cross. Uh, the cross. He's marred more than any other man. And he hears the same luring words. If he is the son of God, let him come off the cross and we will believe. You're going to have a battle right to the end. But it's what you choose to do in the middle of that moment would determine what you do for God. Do you shrink back? Do you make excuses, man? Or do you embrace the, the, 
the purpose that God has for this particular trial. Because he says here that you've got to count it all joy knowing. So you've got to understand that there is insight into the season that you're in that God wants you to know. He doesn't just want you to go through it. He wants you to gain insight into it. He actually wants you to extract the nutrients necessary to set you up for this next thing. So he says this. He says uh, that you may be complete, lacking nothing. See, God has your best interests. And he wants you to understand that where you are right now, he wants you to lack nothing. He actually wants you to be so complete that your identity is so secure in him that when he says, hey, there's someone who needs you, then you can go out there and go, hey, man, instead of thinking, oh, well, I can't really do it because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from Wainuimata, and you know, I haven't really got an upbringing. And it's not about you, it's about them. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I shared this last night, but did I tell you about the fellow who um, come and done my carpet? Oh, okay, so two weeks ago. So I'm looking after a disabled guy. He's 42-year-old. God does amazing stuff in this guy's life, right? He's a vegetable when he comes to me. He's dyslexic, can't read, diagnosed schizophrenic, been in mental health for 60, 16 years. And I get him, and in one week, he's a different man. In one week, he's, he's reading. And over a month, he can read a whole pe- uh, chapter of the Bible. He's not dyslexic, drugged up. But no one wanted to pay attention. Anyway, he messed my room up that he was staying in. So I had to get new carpet. So I ring this English dude. Hey, bro, you want to come and get a quote, do my carpet? He goes, yeah, yeah, sweet. So he comes over. He's a 42-year-old, sorry, 39-year-old Londoner. So he's got the London accent, you know. I can't do it. It's really bad. (laughs) But what happened was he came and did a quote. It was about 500 bucks or something to do my house, my, my carpet in my room. It was really good. And then he come back the next week. But the night before, I'm as crook as a dog. Like, my eyes are sore. It was only two weeks ago. And I was like, in so much discomfort, my bones are aching. I'm going, man, is this what happens after 40? It's like, man, everything starts falling apart, you know. And I'm like, my dear Lord. Anyway, I'm sitting in my lounge where I meet with the Lord a lot. And this real stillness came in the house. And I just know God's walked into the room. And I'm like, now my senses, because I've been doing this in private, now I'm in my house, I'm going, oh, you're here. And now my senses have been exercised to discern. So I'm like, what do you want, Lord? And sometimes it's not about talking, it's just about listening. And then he puts that carpet guy on my mind. I'm like, okay, dear Lord, bless him. Do you want me to speak to him? Do you want me to pray for him? Whatever you want me to do, man, I'm, I'm available. But I'm crook as a dog. I'm like, anyway, he comes the next day. The job takes 40 minutes, and he's there for three hours. So he's sitting there, and he's telling me, he goes, what do you do? You know, he knew I looked after a disabled guy because I told him the week before. He goes, ooh, that's pretty bad, man. Like, yeah, it's all right. Love does that, eh? When things stink, love overlooks it. It's too easy to see the, the ugly in people. But love sees the gems and the gold. Yeah? Covers a multitude of sin. Love is patient. Love is kind. So maybe if you're not patient, maybe you've got to check out how much you love. Hmm? Wow. Drop that bomb. No. And he's sitting there and he, was talking, uh, he goes, man, yeah, my wife does caring. I was like, oh, that's cool. And he goes, yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why are you here? Like, I, I get you're doing my square patch. What's the bigger picture here? That's the vehicle to get you here. It's because God wants to do something. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did caring. And we're talking about caring. And he knows I'm a carer. And then he looks at me and he goes, what do you do for a living? Remember Samuel said to Saul, hey, come and eat with me. And I'll tell you all that's on your mind. But what, you know, anyway, hey, look, your donkeys are found. Saul actually thought he was after the donkeys but God was going to call out his destiny so I'm listening to him and I'm going oh and I thought I thought I told you I'm a carer I went oh I'm actually a minister he goes what do you mean I'm a pastor like a religious guy I went no I'm not religious Christianity is not religious it's about having a relationship with the living God and he goes oh mate (coughs) a year ago 
I would have told you to stick it up your if and my, my, my. And he's swearing in my house. When you get offended with that, you're in trouble. Hey, because they're in the will. They don't know any better, man. And I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah. and he's swearing, he's carrying on. And he goes, you know, when I was a kid, my dad beat me in London. And then I went, oh, here we go. He goes, and I've suffered from trauma all my life. I brought my family from London, my two kids, my three kids, sorry, my son who's 16 wants to join the military in London. I'm like, oh, he goes, but I suffer from depression and anxiety and, you know, and I got thyroid gland problems where it's so bad even talking to you now, I'm in incredible pain. And he only starts like, and I'm going, oh, here we go, that's why you're here. So, and he tells me all the stuff and then I go, in my mind, I'm going, I'm going to pray for you, man. So I say to him, bro, I'm going to tell you two things, then I'm going to ask you a question. So I'm sharing testimony, but I'm crook. And in my testimony, I'm talking about how God's healed kidneys, burst eardrums. People can't walk, and now they walk, and things that God's done over my life. And in my mind, I'm hearing, you can't talk about that, man. You're sick. You can't even pray for yourself. <laughs> How many of you feel like that sometimes? Oh, yeah, good. I'm talking to someone tonight. (laughs) And then in that moment, I realize that he doesn't, it's not about me in this moment. It's about him. So I battle my thought. I rebuke your thoughts in Jesus' name. And I step in, I go, bro. And I share the testimony. I say, can I pray for you? He goes, what? I say, can I pray for you? He goes, yeah, sure, man. I'm open to that, buddy. But he carries on walking, working. And I, I talk, I listen, and I say, oh, bro, you know when I said, can I pray for you? I didn't mean I'm going to go in my bedroom and do some Hail Marys. God bless the Catholics. Because I actually want to pray and lay my hands on you. And what are you doing that for? You need to pray for yourself. You, you know, and I'm battling this thing. And he goes, oh, go on then. I'm open. So he stands there. He's finished the job. And he stands there, and I grab his hand, and I step into him. And he goes, what the hell is that? And I went, that's the love of God. That he loves you so much. That he brought you here to do my thing, but really he wants to encounter you. How come I can do that? Because I'm a pastor? No. I do that because in my private times, I become aware of God. That I value his presence so much that I know that I need his presence, but it's not for me. I'm the benefactor of that, but it's for them. And he doesn't need to come to church because I am the church and we are having church right there. Do you know what I mean? He'll come. He'll come because God's already got a hook on him. So I'm sitting there, I pray for him. Father, I thank you that you love this man, that you you got a plan for this man. I I just release healing over your body, health to all your flesh. Yeah, but you're, you're sick, man. What are you doing? So this thing's going in my ear while I'm praying. And this fellow's like freaking out, man. And I said, you know your thyroids? I just rebuke that pain in Jesus' name. Be completely healed. Now move your head. Because he was going, man, it's incredible pain. Doctors told me I have to let it, um, till it's completely ruined, and then I have to go on medication for the rest of my life. I said, no, you don't. Jesus paid a price for you, man. So I'm praying for him, and, I, and I'm grabbing his, he's still holding on with my hand. I said, how you feeling right now, man? He goes, mate, oh, I'm rushing. My body's rushing. I said, oh, that's the anxiety getting out. It's okay. Father, in Jesus' name, peace. Peace I leave with you, my friend. Peace I give to you, not like the world. And all I'm doing is being the word to him. I've allowed the word to get in me so they can come out of me. And then I just pray for him. And then I'm holding him. And he won't let my hand go. And I'm aware that he's not letting my hand go, but I'm, I, t- I can feel the power of God coming through me. And I'm just going, bro, he loves you. I don't even lead him to the Lord. I don't feel to. I feel he need to encounter this incredible God. I said, I feel like God's brought you here because he wants you to know that when you're in your mama's womb, he knew you by name. And I said, he wants you to encounter him. And your son is going to be all right. And I started prophesying over him without him recognizing us. I wasn't saying, you know, thus save the Lord. It wasn't spiritual. It was just like, bro, I just feel like, you know, God's got your son. He's got your wife. You, you know, you're going to be blessed. And blah, 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 blah. 
you know, and I didn't over-spiritualize it. I just sort of, bro, I'm just going to pray for you. It's a natural, organic expression of the relationship that you have. So when you go out and do it, because you might look at me and go, oh, now that's all right for you. But let me just say, same spirit of me lives in you. Amen. The only reason why it's really awkward for you is because you don't spend time with God enough. Because all I did was express what I do in my private world. I just did it publicly. Because I become aware of His presence. And see, in Romans it says, we rejoice not only the fact that we're saved and we have peace with God, but we rejoice in the tribulation knowing that this tribulation is producing something in me. You want to be transformed? You want to allow God to get into you and do a work in you? Then it's time for you to know what's going on in your season. It's time for you to pay attention to what's going on in here. Why are you reacting the way you do? God's sifting you like wheat, but you're identifying with the fluff on top instead of the fine flour below. The, the, the fine flower is who you really are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not the mistake. How you got brought into this world is irrelevant. The fact that you're here is a miracle. Amen? Amen. Knowing that the trialing of your faith is going to produce patience in you, and patience, character. See, God wants character in you. He wants to form character. But he can't do it if you're not willing to walk the process. Because you'll go through the process and you'll be like, yeah, just get me out. And when you get out to the other side, you haven't learned nothing. So you go, yeah, but now you've got to start again because you didn't learn nothing. So your breakthrough is supposed to be the ground on which you stand to the next thing. But we're like, yeah, I'm out. Praise God. That was a hard season, Pastor Paul. Far out, man. That was, but what did you learn from it? Learn? Man, I'm just grateful to be out of it. <laughs> And we're like that, and we haven't extracted what was necessary in order to walk in the new season. And he says, character is the ability to stay under pressure, Christ-like. And do you know what? Sometimes, let me just say this, you can't do it by yourself. Sometimes what you're going through, you need your brother. You need to have someone that you can confide in that you can share that load with, that can speak into your life. That's why we're a body, not an island. Because we need one another. Your people need you. Your community needs you, men. Your community needs you. But your season is producing in you character that reflects Christ so that when you take away the labels of people, you will love them as humanity, not as a label. You take off your filtered glasses, your religious ideology, your cultural upbringing that, that don't reflect the nature of Christ, and he will produce in you a character that reflects his nature, where once you want to punch your neighbor in the head, but now you want to love on your neighbor. And it's a process. It's not a one-moment event. It's a journey, like a tree becoming a tree didn't just come out of the ground and poof, it's a tree. It had to weather the storms. It had to push through all the dirt and all the yuck and all the blah before it pushed through and reached the sun. And then the elements of the world actually shape the design of the tree. Because some trees, if you notice, especially if you got the Himitangi Straits, they're all bent like that. But why are they bent like that? Were they designed like that? No, no. The elements of this planet bent them that way. And you've got to be careful that through the process, through the transforming power of God, that you don't become like this in your perspective of God. Because he wants to produce character. And what does character produce? Hope. What's hope? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What's hope? Hope is the capacity to see what's unseen. God could speak things that are not, but as though they were, because he could see. And God, he wants to develop in you the ability to see who you really are. Because when you realize who you really are, you're going to do some really cool stuff. There's no man. Like, I'm 40, 
I'm 44. There's no way I'll be preaching in Wainui when I live in the Gold Coast, except God. There's no way I could do what I do, except God. But if you have that mindset and you go, oh, it's all God, again, you're failing to recognize the process. Because God wants to work with you, co-labor with you. And if you recognize that, I think this is false humility. Can I, can I, can I say this? It's false humility when my brother come up to me and he goes, oh, bro, that's a mean word, man. And he goes, oh, so good, man. I'll take some notes. And then I say, oh, bro, it's all Jesus, bro. Sorry, man, it's all Jesus. It gives an appearance of humility, but it's pride. Because God actually uses you to speak and then he confirms it working with you. But what maturity will do, real humility, is when you're in private, you take it back to God. God, I give you glory. You deserve it all. Yeah? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. Because if you think less of yourself, you won't do what God's called you to do. Because you'll go, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I can't do that, man. I got asked to leave school. I was that academic. They thought it wasn't good enough for me to go to school anymore. You know? I am as uneducated as you can get. And sometimes when you look at ministers, you think they're really intelligent. They know stuff. Can I just say that's a byproduct? of knowing him. That he'll teach you stuff that you can't learn in a grammar book. And as you journey with him, he imparts wisdom to you. But the wisdom that he gives you is not for you. It's for them. And hope gives you capacity through the journey to see what God sees. Because sometimes when you're in a dark moment, my moment went for 10 years. And all I did was keep my eyes on the prize, which was him. And he gave me faith to believe and hope for a better day. So when my wife and I were laying in bed and she's, eat it that one. (laughs) But I'll be laying hands on her while she's sleeping. Father, I thank you that she's a woman of God, that she loves me, she prefers me, she desires me. I'm speaking things that are not, but as if they were. Because I see what God sees. That love holds no account of wrong. And God is producing in me a love for my wife that's unconditional. It's not based on what I can get from her, but what I can give for her. Because I know that one day when I sow, I'll reap. You know? And today I'm reaping in the best years of my life. And it's just going to get better. Hope is birthed out of capacity to see. Hope is birthed out of hopelessness. God wants to take you out of this moment of just apathy and indifference to expectation and momentum where you take one step at a time. And then the Bible actually goes on to say that hope will never disappoint you. Why? Because the love of God is poured out in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Do you know the greatest thing that God wants to do in your life is not to make you arrive at your destination, but it's to allow His love to permeate your life that you would operate in love to a lost generation and stop pointing the finger to your neighbor, uh, stop pointing your finger to their mistakes, and da, 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 but you would go out and bring the gospel of reconciliation to them, which is good news. Gone are the days, I believe. Gone are the days where we stand there and go, hey, that's wrong. What you doing? Rah! I did that to my wife in the early days. You always make me angry, mate. Flipping always, because I'm frustrated. And I didn't know any better. I'm an 18-year-old snotty-nosed kid who thinks he's a man, but I'm not a man because I haven't actually met Jesus to his full potential. And I think sometimes uh, the reality of our salvation, we don't grab it because we don't pay attention to it. And sometimes we have to really start thinking on the salvation that we've been given to bring gratitude in our heart. And I was blaming on him, man. I was like, man, you make me angry. And I felt like in the spirit, as I went, you made me angry, God went, it's you. And I went, 
Oh, it says, son, I'm just using here to reveal what's already in your heart because I want to sift you like wheat, not to condemn you, to shame you, but so I can allow the word of God to get inside you and to sift you like wheat, to sift what's flesh and what's spirit, what's the soul and what's the soul and what's the God man, what's the flesh man. Then I want to discern the intentions of your heart. Why'd you marry my daughter? And I walk in this journey and then 26, 27 years later, here I am in a men's ministry preaching to a bunch of mighty men of God about experiences that I've had that are going to unlock your destiny, that are going to give you capacity to go further more than I've been. But see, it needed me to process it so that you can walk it. God's ultimate goal is that you walk in love. Not the love of the world, but God's love. And you can't say you love God if you don't do what he asks you to do. Oh, but God hasn't asked me to do something. When your pastor asks you to do something, what do you do? I'm not saying they're God, but they're God's man. That's God's shepherd. Do you know what I mean? Like when you resist that, you're resisting the mantle on his life that God has given as a gift to you. But you think, nah, nah, you're the gift to him. (laughs) But he's the gift to you. And when you miss that moment, you miss the the part that God wants to impart to you. Because when you lay your life down, only then do you find it. And I want to talk to you just, just summing up tonight, this session. There is a process that God is taking you on. Amen? Don't get shipwrecked in the process. And if you don't know why you're in it, stop, pause, and come back to him and say, show me what's going on. Because like the disciples in the previous session, Jesus would have passed them by because he had already equipped them with the necessary tools to overcome that situation. But they failed to extract it because they're too busy doing stuff to recognize their part to play in the process. It's not all about God. It's about you and God. It's about you willingly walking when God says to walk. He's not calling you a servant anymore. He's not calling you a slave anymore. He calls you a friend. So walk as a friend. Amen. Cool. That's me. (laughs) Is that all right?